You are Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast. Focus on the BYU Cougars. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday edition of the show. It is a hashtag Twitter Tuesday. Get into your questions you guys send in on social media. A lot of questions about BYU's pursuit of athletes in the NCAA transfer portal in basketball. We'll get to those. We'll also talk a little bit about the news coming out yesterday that both golf is rescheduling events. Major League Baseball thinks that they can get back to playing by, by May. What, what does that mean for BYU football this coming fall? Well, I'll share my thoughts on that. And, of course, we'll catch up on everything else going on in BYU sports news like we normally do. We are proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which is America's number one daily podcast network. Of course, the motto around these parts is your team every day. And in this case, that means the BYU Cougars. So let's get to it. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for April 7th, 2020. What's up, guys? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks again for taking the time to download this podcast, all focused on the BYU Cougars. If you're new, we aim to be your one-stop shop for all the BYU sports news you need to know about, as well as opinion and insider information that you cannot find anywhere else. So make sure to hit that follow button if you're listening to us on Spotify, the subscribe button on Apple iTunes. Regardless, wherever you're listening to us on, make sure you follow the show each and every day that way you never miss an episode and you're always up to date on everything going on with the Cougars kicking off today's show some interesting news coming out yesterday that the PGA Tour has rescheduled three of their majors one of them the Open Championship also known as the British Open has been cancelled outright but they've rescheduled the PGA Championship the US Open and the Masters uh, for later this fall slash late summer now, uh, a lot of people looking at that thinking, okay, well, with the current situation we're facing with the COVID-19 pandemic, well, things have died down at that point where we can get athletes back on the court, or in this case, the course, or the field, etc., and be able to play sports. Well, the more ambitious plan, I think, came out last night as well, according to sources and multiple reports, is that Major League Baseball plans to get its teams back together in Arizona and play at 10 different spring training facilities, the Arizona Diamondbacks Chase Field, maybe some other utility fields, and play games in Arizona to at least start their season by potentially May at the earliest. I think that is extremely ambitious myself, but the plan for this, according to what the reports say, is that uh, Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association both have been in contact with high-level officials from the federal government who have been tracking COVID-19, and apparently they're signing off on this thinking that it's safe enough for them to pull pull off this plan. So all 30 teams from Major League Baseball will be sequestered essentially in Arizona, staying at hotels, and essentially being isolated outside of traveling to and from whichever field you're playing a game that day. I think it's ambitious. Even if it starts by June, I still think it's a little ambitious. But the good news, I think, out of all of this is that if 
these plans come to fruition, both baseball getting back to action, the NFL has made no indication that they plan on starting their season later than anticipated. If if golf is able to get the tournaments underway by mid-June, they're thinking the PGA Tour events could be happening by at that point. If these sports are back in action at that point, I think it points towards football. College football is what we're talking about in particular here for BYU being back this fall without a delay. Of course, there will be some interesting test studies to come in the coming days and weeks and months if baseball is able to get back on the field and be able to pull off this plan. Like I said, I think it's a little bit ambitious. Uh, People are saying that uh, potentially if sports comes back too early, society reintegrates a little too early, we could almost have a relapse in a way of the COVID-19 virus before we have a vaccine in place. My biggest concern is that we make sure people are safe, but we also need to make sure that if athletes are participating in these sports, that they're being safe as well. Another report yesterday saying that the National Basketball Association, the NBA, and the NBA MBPA, which is the National Basketball Players Association, are currently going through the viability of different tests that can, res- can give you results of the COVID-19 virus, test athletes, and give you results in minutes so you can test athletes on a day-to-day basis to make sure they have not picked up any, any symptoms. If all of this comes to fruition, if all of these plans, all of these reports come to fruition, that's a very positive sign for BYU football and their chances of having a full season in 2020. Uh, we've talked about this where I put proposed a potential shortened season schedule where you're only scheduling independence for BYU. Well, the good news is if all of these plans for Major League Baseball, the NBA, PGA Tour, the NFL still has plans to start their season on time. If all of it comes to fruition, that means that college football should be back in all of its glory. And it looks like there should be an opportunity for athletes and coaches to get back on the field this summer getting ready for that season. I do wonder how the uh, college football, how the NCAA, the powers that be, will handle uh, training camps, etc. Because you've missed months now of off-season training and you will have missed months of off-season training. And guys are working out on their own, but obviously not going to be working out as a team and probably as hard as a strength coach would be pushing them in a facility, a team weight room on the campus wherever they attend school. It's, it's a very, very muddled situation. There's a lot of things that could beset this and cause all of these plans to fall through for Major League Baseball, in golf, in basketball, etc. But if it does, if they, if they are able to pull these things off like they're anticipating, that means college football will be back in our lives this fall and maybe life resumes at a little bit normal pace. I do wonder, however, how long it will be before fans in mass are allowed to attend games because, we, like I said, there are concerns out there that if uh, society reintegrates, and I know reintegrate is probably the wrong word here, but we're all doing this uh, physical distancing, the social distancing trend, and we're all staying home as much as possible, etc. Well, if all of a sudden you start cramming 40,000, 50, 60,000 in the case of Lavelle Edwards Stadium, 60,000 people into the stands next to one another, who's to say that one person is an asymptomatic carrier of this virus, passes it on to somebody, and we just have another run of this virus through the general population. That is the massive, massive concern when it comes to reintegrating and getting sports back on TV. I would expect that sports come back because Major League Baseball, if I didn't mention this earlier, their plan is to play these games without fans in attendance in Arizona. Well, I would expect that the NBA, if they're able to figure things out and get back on the court, maybe they do a single... uh, 
a single spot where they play games like Las Vegas has been proposed, well, guess what? They probably wouldn't have fans in the stands as well. So it could be a college football season where you have no fans attending games in person outside of essential staff, etc. Even us media types probably wouldn't be allowed to cover the games in person. But the biggest thing is if we can get sports back into our lives and start having some of the normalcy return to our lives, I think that would help a lot of us. There's a lot of people struggling with this social distancing trend. And I hope that my, my sincere hope is that we're able to get back to watching uh, sports in short order and the good news is, is if all of these plans from these other sports these other major leagues or the pro leagues come off and work out as expected that means the college football should return to our lives and BYU football shouldn't be far behind this coming summer slash fall and I'm looking forward to that so just wanted to riff on that a little bit to start off today's podcast I thought it was fascinating all of these reports because these leagues are pushing forward as if they're going to get back into action and fairly short order because there's been some reports out there we might not have sports back until this a vaccine for the COVID-19 virus was developed I hope that we can get sports back in shorter time than 12 to 18 months let's put it that way so there you go some of my thoughts on the current situation when it comes to the COVID-19 outbreak all right coming up here in just a second we're gonna get to your guys's questions on the podcast you guys had some great thoughts on college basketball BYU basketball in particular that I wanted to get to on today's podcast before we get to that did want to give a shout out to a longtime listener Cameron Justice he asked me to reach out and inform people that the company he works for it's called Talacris Plasma Resources it's located at 650 Columbia Lane in Provo. It's right there near Cougar Boulevard and State Street in Provo. It's hard to miss it. If you know where Sweet Hawaiian Grill is, uh, it's in that general vicinity, Chick-fil-A, all those different restaurants right there in the heart of Provo. Well, what Telechris Plasma Resources is, is they collect plasma, Plasma Donation Center. Right now, they are still open and still looking for plasma resources that they can use. And guess what? They're paying people to stop by. You may be wondering, how is Telecrest able to be open under the current circumstances with the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, they are considered... Uh, critical infrastructure and they're looking for donors each and every day so even if uh, you are at under a stay-at-home order etc you can still go donate plasma at telecrest they are staying open for the duration of however long we have the stay-at-home orders the stay-at-home stay-alive campaign is going on and cameron's been a long-time listener uh, to us here uh, griffles is the company that runs telecrest plasma resources they have been selected by the fda and barda for quote treatment of COVID-19 using convalescent plasma and anti-SARS-CoV-2-IG. I don't understand what that means, but I take away from that that they are in deep need of plasma resources to help fight the COVID-19 virus. Talacris is open every day, and if you haven't been there, I went there when I was a student at BYU. They actually pay you for your plasma donations. Some of you may have been furloughed from your from your current occupation. You may have been laid off, etc. Well, this is an opportunity to put some cash in your pocket, get a little bit of cash flow, but also help out others with your plasma donations. So check them out guys that's telecrest plasma resources in provo guys 651 columbia lane in provo you can give them a call if you have questions 801-377-1243 like i said i donated there when i was a student at byu they do a great thing and they're helping out others with your plasma donations and they're in need of them at this time so check it out telecrest plasma resources just wanted to give them a little bit of a shout out on today's podcast 
All right, guys, it is hashtag Twitter Tuesday here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. Obviously, your questions coming in on social media. Follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Locked On Cougars. You can follow my personal Twitter feed at Jacob C. Hatch. And if you want to drop the show a note via email, you're also welcome to do so. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the address for you. Drop your notes there. Great stuff going on uh, with this. A lot of you asking questions, and a lot of them similar today. So uh, BCS at sub 255 reach out to me as well as our good friend Garrett at SF Garrett on Twitter with similar questions. He says, I know that some of the grad transfers, this is Garrett's question. I know uh, sub 55 had the similar question said, I know that some of the grad transfers that BYU was looking at have signed elsewhere. Isaiah White being one of them, the UVU transfer who committed to U- USC Any other names the Cougars are going after. And that's actually a great question, Garrett and sub 55. Let's get to those. Uh, so a couple of them, they're still on the board. Of course, in recent days, some targets for BYU, including Portland State guard Holland Woods. He has eliminated BYU apparently from consideration after naming a top five that includes uh, WCC Goliath uh, Gonzaga in his top five. Terrell Brown, a transfer from Seattle, a guy that Mark Pope and his staff would be familiar with having coached in the WAC previously. He committed to Arizona yesterday, so that's two of the bigger names that BYU had thrown offers to or given interest to in the grad transfer market, but that does not mean that all is lost for BYU. There are still guys like Jonah Antonio out there. He's a six foot five sharpshooting guard from UNLV. He'll be a grad transfer and immediately eligible. He has not named any timeline or deadline for when he wants to commit to a university, so he's a name to keep an eye on as well as Terrell Gomez. I don't know much about Gomez outside the fact that he's five foot eight. He is not a big guy, but he can put up buckets. He uh, averaged big numbers for Cal State Northridge in the Big West Conference. How would that translate to playing in the West Coast Conference? I don't know. But at five foot eight, you have to overcome a lot of disadvantages. And I think a guy like Terrell Gomez is a guy that'd be intriguing just due to his size and his ability to score buckets. But is that the type of guy that BYU needs at this point? I think BYU's more in the mold of looking for a guy like a Jonah Antonio because of the size he possesses and his ability to play on the wing and play off the ball versus being an on-the-ball guy because you look like you're looking at the roster next year. You have Connor Harding, you have Alex Barcelo coming in, who are expected to be kind of your your one-two combo at guard, your ball handlers. And they have that ability, and I think that you don't necessarily need a guy who is also going to demand touches in the control of the ball in the offense. The nice part about BYU's offense currently is that it's very it's a very selfless offense. It's very motion-oriented, a lot of ball screens, a lot of back cuts, a lot of screening and rolling for the big guys. I think next year, in terms of BYU's team, you're going to see them play more inside out. And that's because you have guys like Richard Harward and Wyatt Lowell coming off red shirts this year. And they should combine with guys like Gavin Baxter as well as Kobe Lee and give BYU one of the bigger lineups that they've seen maybe in recent history. All those guys listed at six foot nine are taller currently. And that should make for a very big front court for BYU. I'm most excited, this is my personal opinion, about Wyatt Lowell. The 
whack freshman of the year his first year at UVU before transferring to BYU. I'm telling you guys, keep an eye on this young man. He's six foot ten, can stroke it from beyond the arc. I think at the same clip that Yoli Child stroked it, stroked it from, but also can play on the interior and really I think could be a terror for opposing teams with his ability to play outside in and inside out. And I really look forward to that. A couple other names to keep an eye on in the transfer portal market that may not have the biggest names include Isaiah Wilkins from Virginia Tech. Only averaged a shade under five points uh, for for the Hokies this past year. He's a graduate transfer as well. Uh, Would be an intriguing prospect. Maybe you bring him in and say, hey, you have an opportunity here to play more and score more. We'll see what happens with that. So Isaiah Wilkins from Virginia Tech. And then two local prospects. Uh, One would be a sit and play after a year uh, eligibility sitting out would be Matt Van Komen from Pleasant Grove High School to transfer from the University of Utah. I know BYU is keen on seeing his interest level. His mother played at BYU. He'd be another big man to put into the rotation. He's not a guard. He's seven foot four, but he is a guy that I think BYU could help develop. And then also Abel Porter from Utah State University. His body has been giving him fits over the past few years. He has a debilitating back issue that has seemed to have hampered him the last two years. But if you can get him to transfer maybe as a walk-on and be just kind of a, a steady off-the-bench option, Abel Porter wouldn't be a bad pickup for BYU him being healthy would be the biggest concern. You have to make sure he's going to be able to play when it, when called upon. So some names to keep an eye on still. And of course, we'll keep tracking this for you here on the podcast. Include So those names, Jonah Antonio, Terrell Gomez, so Tr- Jonah Antonio from UNLV, Terrell Gomez from Cal State Northridge, and Isaiah Wilkins from Virginia Tech. Those are the three that I thought of as guys who are more guards, who can play on the wing, etc., can play uh, versus having a, another big man come in and kind of clog up the paint because it looks like BYU is going to have a little glut of big men after not having that this past year. So it should be interesting there. Another question coming in on Twitter Tuesday uh, comes in from a good friend of mine, and that is my good friend Sean Broderick. He sent this in and says, if you were athletic director for the day at BYU, what changes would you make? Well, I can tell you this right now, uh, Sean, I would increase the resources for both men's basketball and the football programs. They need the resources. I think basketball is doing quite well with the resources they're allocated. BYU football, in this day and age, when it comes to college football, it's an arms race. And I know the current situation with the COVID-19 pandemic. How will that affect athletic departments? Well, I think it's going to be a years-long case study to see how it does affect these these college athletic departments. BYU has always had to operate in the black. They can only spend the money they generate themselves in the BYU athletic department. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints will not and has not subsidized BYU's athletic department at any point in its history, nor will they do so going forward. It's been a very strict mandate from church headquarters that the BYU athletic department, you guys can do what you will with the money you generate. Uh, The equity and education uh, numbers from the United States Department of Education came out for the 2018 academic year, the I guess calendar year for BYU. BYU reported $72 million in total revenue in 2018. It's the most they've ever collected. Obviously, we're in 2020, so we're a couple years removed from that. You would only expect that BYU's revenue has increased year over year. It seems to be doing that, but it feels like, in my just my my opinion, is that the 
money that is given to BYU football, which generates by and large the majority of that cash, has been kind of stagnant. It's been stuck at a certain level. And that's hampered Kalani Satake's efforts to upgrade his staff, have guys on staff that, have, uh, that are able to help the football program. BYU currently only operating with two of what you can have up to five strength coaches. Their recruiting department is going to be Jason Ayu and Jack DeMooney with part-time students. They need more resources. I know I sound like a broken record on this if you've listened to this podcast podcast the football program at BYU if you want it to succeed at the level that BYU fans I think BYU administrators aspire to be well guess what there's one thing that helps you do that and that is cash you need money injected into these athletic departments football programs in particular BYU is lagging behind relative to the level they've aspire to compete at if they truly want to be a player at the level they claim they want to be a player at well guess what it's going to take more resources so sean my one thing i would do for a day is i would inject some major money into the byu football department and by extension the basketball program as well give them those resources and tell them here's those resources there's no more complaining go get the guys you think can help you succeed and hopefully it pays off i'm not saying to just give them a blank check let's be clear about that but they can increase the budgets for Kalani Satake and his staff. I do applaud some of the efforts they have made. They've given BYU football analysts on both sides of the ball, uh, offensive and defensive analysts. They're allowed two each during a season. That's a positive step. But when other programs have recruiting departments that are allocating millions of dollars and multiple full-time staffers, over 10 in some cases, to recruiting alone, well, guess what? You need to be able to compete. And you don't necessarily have to say we need 15 recruiting staffers and we need all five strength coaches actually I think you need all five strength coaches that's just my opinion but you don't need to inject that much but you can get more people in there to help this program succeed relative to the level you aspire to compete at so there you go that's one thing I guess in particular I would do Sean and I'm kind of over time here so maybe we'll get to more of this maybe I can bring that question back around if I think, think of some other things in coming days and weeks but thanks for your questions as always like I said follow the show on social media facebook instagram and twitter at locked on cougars follow my personal twitter feed at jacob c hatch and feel free to always reach out via email once again locked on byu at gmail.com all right quick reminder for you guys make sure to use your smart devices to listen to the podcast anytime a lot of you are adjusting the work from home life etc kind of a new format well guess what you can still use your smart devices to listen to this podcast and stay up to date with the cougars each and every day so make sure to tell them Tell your smart devices, play the latest episode of the Locked On Cougars podcast, and we will endeavor to make you the smartest BYU fan in the room. As we close out this Tuesday edition of the show, wanted to kind of give you guys a preview of what's to come in the coming days and weeks on the podcast. This week across the Locked On Podcast Network, uh, they've advocated for us to talk about the greatest seasons in program or franchise history, pending what you're doing. A lot of guys doing pro uh, sports podcasts with franchises, etc. Well, we are a college podcast, so the greatest seasons in program history. And I took that to mean uh, both football and basketball. We're going to start off, obviously, with 1984, the national championship year for BYU football. I am currently putting together a what I call a VIP list of guests that we're going to have on the podcast to talk about that magical season and their memories of it. Now, what, 36 years removed? 
from the national championship under Lavelle Edwards. I'm talking about names like Robbie Bosco, Norm Chow, Jim Herman. I'm chasing athletes and coaches from that team to talk about their experiences with that season. We're going to do this with some other seasons in program history. I'm thinking I'm going to start chasing down some people for the 1996 football season. We may even go uh, talk about uh, some of the basketball seasons way back when. Let's think, think of seasons that you'd like to hear about. Do you want to hear about the 2001 Mountain West championship basketball team under Steve Cleveland. We could chase down guys like McKelly Wesley. We could get Coach Cleveland on, uh, Dave Rose, etc. That's what we'll be doing in the coming days and weeks. So you'll be a veritable who's who of BYU royalty on this podcast. And I want to encourage you guys, don't miss an episode because we're going to have some great conversations, some great thoughts from some of the greatest athletes in BYU athletics history. And it should be a fun, uh, entertaining time. Hopefully we'll bring you guys some stories and some insight on certain topics about those teams that maybe you hadn't heard before. A lot of you are very familiar with 1984 and 1996 in BYU football history well guess what we're going to bring you guys those athletes those coaches and let them tell their stories about what they remember from those magical years and let them get their thoughts out there and share them with you guys it's something that i have the capability of doing and i'm looking forward to this so hopefully you guys will continue to support the podcast and be with us throughout the entirety of this current downtime with the covid19 pandemic we've got some fun ideas here on the podcast network and we're having a blast doing it each and every day so i want to thank you guys for your continued support of the show all right that'll do it for today's edition of the podcast thanks again for joining us it's a blast to be with you guys each and every day as i've told you guys i am going to endeavor to carry on every day throughout this pandemic downtime and talk byu sports even though i'm only required to do it three times a week i think i have enough material i have the ingenuity i have the connections with uh BYU alumnus, alumni that I can get out and get uh, some of this stuff that we should be able to keep you guys engaged each and every day. We will do our best, but it only happens with you guys and your support. So please continue to share this podcast with your family and friends. Let them know about it if they, know about it if they haven't heard about what we're doing here on Locked On Cougars, and that way the audience stays strong even without sports going on. It's a blast to be with you guys each and every day. I thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for you guys' continued support of the show and of course we will be back with you guys talking soon this has been the locked on cougars podcast for april 7th 2020 we will talk to you tomorrow